There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plushcare. Plushcare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Sometimes in Star Trek, something will happen that should absolutely shatter all of our views of the universe forever and then is promptly forgotten in the next episode. With that in mind, I'm Sean Ferrick for Trek Culture and here are 10 episodes that should have changed Star Trek forever, but didn't. Number 10, By Any Other Name, the original series. In By Any Other Name, the Enterprise is commandeered by the Kelvins, a group of aliens from the Andromeda Galaxy who, having subdued most of the crew, set a course for their home planet. Under normal circumstances, this journey would take thousands of years, but thanks to a few modifications to the warp engines, they predict it will take less than three centuries. Of course, Kirk and company are able to retake the ship long before the Kelvin's voyage can be completed, but the advanced engine modifications remain. They are, however, never mentioned again. The Kelvin modifications would certainly have been handy on, you know, <clears throat> Voyager. That show began with the tidal vessel stranded 75,000 light years from Earth, with a return trip estimated to take 70 years at maximum warp. If Voyager travelled as fast as the Enterprise did and by any other name, however, the journey could have been finished in just nine years. Number nine, Unnatural Selection, The Next Generation. The plot of Unnatural Selection involves a DNA-altering disease that causes rapid ageing. Before long, the disease has affected the unfortunate Dr. Catherine Pulaski and the episode becomes a race against the clock to find a cure before the cantankerous doctor succumbs to old age. At the last minute, a potential cure is discovered by taking a sample of Pulaski's DNA before she had the disease disease, and using this in conjunction with the transporter, the effects of the disease can be stopped. Naturally, it's a risky procedure, but the crew is out of time and has no other options, so they go with the experimental treatment. Thankfully, it works, but it comes with a caveat. Not only does the procedure eradicate the disease, it reverses the symptoms, reverting Pulaski to her earlier, younger appearance, while retaining her memories. Despite the fact that it all but guarantees long life, and possibly immortality, for some reason, the discovery of this fountain of youth is never, ever mentioned again. Number 8. Plato's Stepchildren, the original series. This third season episode of Star Trek is, of course, best known for the boundary-breaking kiss between Captain Kirk and Lieutenant Uhura, but it also involves a discovery that should have had profound implications on the Star Trek universe. Answering an urgent distress call, the Enterprise makes contact with a race of beings called the Platonians, who possess powerful telekinetic powers. The source of their amazing abilities? An element called Kironide, which is found in the planet's vegetation. McCoy is able to synthesize this element with ease, and after injecting Kirk and Spock, 
spark with it, they quickly developed telekinetic powers of their own, which they used to overcome the Plutonians. The magical element of Kiranite, however, is immediately forgotten, along with the ability to provide anyone with short-term telekinetic powers after a simple injection, which would have been a phenomenally useful skill and would have come in particular handiness when it came to, say, ground assaults against the Klingons or the Dominion. Just a thought. Number seven, what are little girls made of? The original series. Androids popped up in several episodes of the original Star Trek, but perhaps the most sophisticated ones appear in the Robert Block penned hour, What Are Little Girls Made Of? Not only do they perfectly replicate the human form, or at least the human exterior, but they, somewhat relevatory, also display a range of emotions. At the end of the episode, all the androids are destroyed, but the equipment used to manufacture them remains intact. The episode and its androids, however, are never mentioned again or given any follow-up. One can't help but wonder if a visit to XO3 might have sped along Dr. Noonien Sung's own development of androids, which decades later is somehow revolutionary, or aided Data in concluding his quest for emotions long before he finally did in Star Trek Generations. You have to suspect that such groundbreaking work would have at least been chronicled somewhere. Number six, Bar Association, Deep Space Nine. This one is interesting because the story element in question is really just a throwaway gag when it comes to the episode as a whole. When Rom and the rest of the staff in Quark's bar go on strike, Quark briefly tries to replace his employees with the aid of a holographic waiter program he purchases from a Lesepian. This works for a while, but it turns out the technology's imaging system is affected by certain energy sources, which forces Quark to find other means of ending the strike. It makes for an amusing gag, especially when one of the waiters dematerializes and drops a tray of glasses in front of Odo, but it gives rise to a few questions. Holograms need holographic projectors, and before and after this episode, those have been shown to be exclusively found in DS9's holo suites or holo communicators, which I'm not sure if I'm allowed to talk about because Star Trek certainly doesn't. So, just how is this program running? Even if the technology had a few bugs, holograms able to operate independently of the holodeck would sure have been useful on Voyager, where the Doctor spent three seasons confined to sickbay because the rest of the ship lacked holographic generators. Number five, Court Martial, the original series. When Captain Kirk is put on trial in Court Martial, each of the witnesses must put their hands on a lie detector while they deliver their testimony. In doing this, the computer will be able to detect even the slightest inaccuracy in their statements. This is a hugely useful device for any court-martial situations, or when the crew suspects any duplicitousness or shady hidden intentions in strangers. It would also be particularly helpful in weeding out any imposters on board the Enterprise, since asking them their intentions will quickly lead to their detection. Though, of course, that would require a wide-ranging change in the policy to include regular all-crew mandatory screening tests, which probably wouldn't have been very good for morale. To be fair, this lie detecting device does show up in a few other episodes on the original Star Trek, but by the time Star Trek The Next Generation rolls around, it seems to have been completely forgotten. There are certainly a few courtroom dramas in the later series that would have been cut short if someone had remembered to haul a lie detector out of storage and find out who was lying. Number four, Cathexis, Voyager. This one's a bit unlike the others, since it has been introduced, then forgotten. Instead, it's been introduced, forgotten, reintroduced, forgotten again, etc. In Cathexis, Tuvok has to stun a number of people in only a split second, a feat he achieves by using the phaser's wide beam setting, of course, which was never actually introduced as a new feature that was only available to Tuvok. This phaser setting can stun, or kill, a number of opponents over a wide area with one shot, but it has frequently been forgotten when the episode demands it. For example, the siege of AR-558. In this episode, a group of Starfleet officers armed with phasers protect a fixed position against a Dominion assault. Rather than bombard the enemy with a few phaser shots over the wide beam setting, however, the battle is fought much more traditionally, one shot at a time. If only someone had remembered the wide beam setting, casualties could have been much 
lighter. Number three, the Pegasus, the next generation. In the Pegasus, we discover that a few years before the events of Star Trek The Next Generation, William Riker was involved in a secret and illegal, since it violates a treaty with the Romulan Star Empire, experiment in phased cloaking technology aboard the USS Pegasus. Over the course of the episode, the cloaking device, which not only renders ships invisible, but allows them to pass through solid objects, in a frankly ridiculous two-finger salute to science, is recovered and successfully used by the Enterprise-D. It stands to reason that the Federation abandoned the technology after this incident to appease the Romulans, but it certainly would have been useful during the Dominion War later on. It's not hard to imagine the Romulans revising the terms of the treaty during the war if the addition of an interphasic cloaking technology to key vessels could have brought it to an early end. Number two, Mortal Coil, Voyager. Why on a shuttle mission with Paris and Chakotay, Neelix is struck by an energy bolt and dies. 18 hours later, the shuttle returns to Voyager, the Doctor examines the body and he pronounces there was nothing that could have been done. Captain Janeway begins making plans for an elaborate Talaxian funeral. Not so fast, says Seven of Nine. Her Borg nanoprobes could be used to revive Neelix. The crew is naturally incredulous. After all, Neelix isn't on life support. He's dead, Jim, and has been to close for an entire day. Nevertheless, Janeway approves the procedure and Neelix is swiftly brought back to life. Although there are some initial complications, Neelix must receive injections of nanoprobe once a day to stay alive, the Doctor insists they're only temporary. Considering the injections are never mentioned or seen after this episode, and that Neelix departs from Voyager without a worry a few years later, it's safe to assume that they were very temporary, and at some point he stopped needing them to live. Unfortunately for all of the members of the crew who die after this episode, however, the death-defying powers of the nanoprobes are never mentioned again. Presumably, none of them were as crucial to the ship as the cook and morale officer. Number one, Threshold Voyager. I know, this episode probably seems like low-hanging fruit here. It, it's, it's hard to ignore. Threshold involves Voyager crew building an experimental warp engine that you can reach warp 10, at which speed you move so fast you occupy every point in the universe simultaneously. In other words, if you can reach warp 10, you can go anywhere you want in an instant, and the crew's successful. Tom Paris pilots a shuttle with the experimental engines, which far outpace Voyager's maximum velocity and eventually break the warp 10 barrier. However, there are complications. Paris begins feeling ill, and before long begins mutating into a new life form. Eventually, the Doctor derives a treatment by bombarding Paris's mutated DNA with anti-proton radiation. He should refer to his human form. There are some complications, which are almost too silly to describe. Paris kidnaps Janeway, takes her on a warp 10 flight, the two evolve into salamander-like creatures, mate and have offspring. But eventually the Doctor is able to use his treatment to return the Lieutenant and the Captain to their human forms. In other words, the only complication from warp 10 travel can be reversed by a simple medical treatment. But, for some reason, the crew abandon their new discovery, which could get them back to the Alpha Quadrant in short order, albeit with some temporary side effect involving the social awkwardness of knowing you had slimy fish sex with the Captain. And never mention it again. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. <laughs> 